holiness and the end everlasting life. And I just pushed back and I said, wow, you know, wait a minute. Is this really true? So again, so again, the question that I had at the problem that I had, we all have to some degree, is just simply beginning to believe what the word truly says about us. Because for many of us, we've been sort of taught by the other, the other way, you know, that we're not, we're not that we're not good enough we must struggle we must you know sweat it out for god instead of instead of the other way coming at it that this has been done for us in christ and we need to believe that these scriptures are true of us now i don't suppose any one of us are are willing uh, to get up in the church service or any kind of the gathering and raise our hand and say yes that's me i'm a servant i am a um, slave of righteousness uh, i have you know i'm I'm a slave of God. You know, those, those things run counter to our to our mind intuitively, but it, we begin to, as we begin to think about it in a new way, we can begin to walk in those truths and trust Him uh, to be those things for us. So again, we're still in Romans, and we'll move on to chapter 8. And we have a couple of verses there for us to think about and to look at. Uh, Romans 8. Uh, 16 and 17 for the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God again knowing who we are so important that we know who we are and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together so my friends there's a there's a sort of a dual thing going on here uh we have to admit that in the Christian life, there is times of suffering. Uh, we've all been through them. Uh, we will go through them more as we continue to uh, move on here in this life. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. I don't want to you know, try to uh, fool you or to say that it's all grand and glorious. It is grand and glorious, but there are also times of suffering. And there's no better example of that than our Lord Christ himself. He suffered much in this, in this life. But we can have faith that as we pass through those events, that we'll also be glorified together. And that is not just always in the future. We can That can happen to us even today in this life that we're in. You know, God is still a God who does amazing things. You know, we're not, we're not going to promise you a miracle, but if God does a miracle in your life, then we want to recognize and praise Him for it. I've often said, you know, if you need a miracle, just look in the mirror. Uh, because you are a child of God, and that in itself is a tremendous miracle that puts you at one with Christ, that puts you in a place where you can enjoy His uh, cause and kingdom uh, forever with Him in heaven. So I hope we're not moving too fast. I see there may be some questions coming up here. The time is quickly going. <laughs> we may not get through all of this, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> now we're going to move to another familiar scripture for all of us and that one I believe is in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 most of you could probably quote where we're going with this one but it is so important to our theme here of the revolution that takes place once we apply the revelation of these simple scriptures um, and make them real in our life 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 uh, we'll go through 21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Don't, don't forget that. You need to underline new creation in your Bible if you haven't already. 
and old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though, as through, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A tremendous classic scripture that's so important to us, beginning back with 17. Behold, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So so are we part of that old thing that have become new? Yeah, we are. We are we're a new creature in Christ. We become new. So when we're, when we may look the same, but we're not the same. We've been changed from the inside out. And that's so important. Many, many folks trying to change themselves or their life or their actions or what they do from the outside in doesn't work that way. Christ revolutionizes our insight. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit, his life, and then that works itself out from the inside out. We're a new creation. Uh, and he, verse 21, you know, made him who knew no sin, uh, made him to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, very simple truth, one that we've all heard about many times before, and the, the struggle or the, the um, uh, yeah, the struggle that we have is allowing these truths to just get past the surface and to actually get in to our heart and soul and spirit and, re and realize what that means for us and what that does for us uh, in Him. So then, uh, again, you know, moving on here, uh, <laughs> excuse me from, you know, having so much at one time, but it's, this is the revelation that began to take shape uh, in my life, and we were able to share uh, with those around us, hopefully, uh, and they will claim them as their own and make up their own message as they move forward. We're going to go to Galatians now, in chapter 3, very familiar scripture. None of this is new to you. If you're a Bible student, you've probably been through these before, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, beginning in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. Who we are, we're sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's seed, then if you are in if you are Christ, excuse me, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that's who we are. And I just really love this scripture because it just knocks out all of the things that men tend to get divided up over here in this life. You know, there's this whole race question just needs to go away for our Christians because there is no difference. We're all the same. You know, there's no, there's no this, there's no that. We're all one. We're all one in Christ. And if we've been baptized and put on Christ, there's neither Jew or Greek or slave or free neither male nor female, we're all one in Christ. And that's so important for us to get that identity, who we are, what it means to us, that we're one in Him. And then uh, we won't turn there, but if you were to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and also in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, 
uh, Paul calls us saints. He starts the message out in those in those scriptures, calling us saints. So you know, for too many years, we've thought that we were just sinners, and that we were just sinners that somehow were lucky enough to be saved by grace, and that's how we identified ourselves. But but truly, my friends, we are more much we're much more than that. We are children of God. We're not just sinners saved by grace. We're children of God. We have a place we're going. We have a place prepared for us. And the one who prepared that place for us now lives in our heart. And we need to get that way of thinking into our heart and mind that we can, you know, begin to move on into this whole thing. So, you know, and there are, we're getting to the end here, but there, there is much... You know, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8. I'd like to maybe wrap this particular part of it up with, with another uh, question or another revelation that was just almost as revolutionary in my life as chapter uh, 6 and verse 17. And it's simply the one in, in 1 Corinthians 1.30. Because some of you may, may be thinking and wondering, okay, it all sounds really good, brother. But, you know, how do I get into Christ? How does that process take place? What does that look like? What does that mean to me? And we find in 1 Corinthians 1.30 the answer to that, which uh, is just really uh, is a very much an assurance verse. It sort of cements all of this at the very beginning of the, our life in Him. When it says in verse 30 of 1 Corinthians, But of Him are you in Christ Jesus. And then listen to what that does for us. Who becomes for us wisdom from God and righteousness and salvation, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There it is. Let me read it again. But if him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So there's no lack there. There's nothing that you don't have in Christ right there. How did you get into Christ? God put you there. Upon your faith in him, God lifted you out of Adam's life and placed you in Christ's life. And if we ever get the opportunity to get together in person, we can draw that out on a graph for you so you can actually see that happen. And it's, when you see that God has taken you out of Adam and placed you into Christ, it settles the argument. We're in Christ. God has placed us in Christ. And because of that, all that we've talked about here and all that we will yet talk about as we continue with this little conference, is true of you. And the, and the challenge again, I keep going over it, but the challenge again is to simply believe what the Word says about you and that it's true and it doesn't change. Your emotions can't change it. You know, you, God's not going to change. He, he doesn't love you anymore today than He did yesterday. He's not going to love you more tomorrow than He did today. Uh, it's just true. We have him, we have him for eternity, and when our time here on earth is up, we talk to him to face. And so, um, I see we're right at the end of our 30 minutes here, Mark. Um, I got through almost um, maybe half, maybe a little bit more of this particular topic here, but that's enough for today. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, you know, if you have any questions, I don't know if we can just... Maybe take a little bit of time and try and answer some, and we can type them to you, to Mark, and he can share them, or however you want to work it, Mark. But I want to thank you for arranging this today, and may God bless all of you who have joined us. And I look forward to uh, continuing, and also look forward to seeing you someday face-to-face, -face, uh, God willing. So thank you, and uh, praise the Lord.
you know, in Pastor Tracy, um, uh, that was uh, uh, a good uh, reminder of our, uh, our position in Christ. Uh, in most cases, uh, uh, we find trouble to to uh, let me say, how should I say? Our behavior usually uh, our behavior usually challenges the position. Yeah, uh, yes, having a powerful sense of suggestion in our emotions. But uh, uh, all this is not true uh, uh, for us. Uh, how would you um, uh, help uh, in understanding that uh, how, how will someone make the baby steps? Usually the how to question usually comes up definitely. How will somebody walk into this uh, knowledge, the identity that we have in Christ? So the question is how do we learn to walk in it or how do we... How do we uh, how do we deal with how do we deal with the thoughts that come from the enemy that tell us it's not true? Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, first of all, we need to realize that that's his job. Uh, that's what he does. Uh, he loves to accuse the brethren, uh, and if we allow him to do that, and then you know the first thing you know he's gained a foothold, and he's began to bring us down from the position that we hold in Christ and make us doubt it and make us think it may not be true of me because of something I've done or said. So so when he does that, number one, we need to realize that that's his job description. He is there for that. He's, he's there for that purpose. God allows him to do that, I think, to drive us back to the cross. He allows him to do that. When, when that accusation comes, we can remind the devil, the enemy, that we're not going where he's going. That, that, that person he's accusing died on the cross with Christ in Galatians 2.20. I'm a new creature. The old has passed away. Tell him, I'm not the same man I was then or the same woman. I am now a new creation. Old, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do we believe that? Well, yes, we believe that. But when the enemy sits on our shoulder and accuses us of something we've done or said in the past or even many years ago or even yesterday, it doesn't matter he will use those things to try and to try and discourage us to try and dull our witness to those around us uh and as as simple as it sounds it's not that easy to do i will acknowledge but we need to put him to flight the bible says if we resist the devil he will do what Lead. amen amen so so i think it gets down to the idea that we 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 are ready to resist him to quote scripture to him to preach to him uh, whenever he begins to accuse and to belittle and say, well, that's not true of you, brother, because look what you did yesterday. Look what you said to your wife this morning. All of those things he will use to try and, you know, get a little inroad into our heart and spirit. And we must be vigilant to remind him that we're a new creation, that that's not me anymore. If you want to go accuse somebody, go accuse the person on the cross with Christ because I died in him that day. And I have a new life in him today. And that life is perfect. That life is sinless. That life is secure. And it's just a matter of, you know, speaking back to him what we know to be true of who we are. All right. 
uh, there is a verse that you quoted um, that said in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6 17. Yes. The verses that came before uh, with the hallowed. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if there are some others who share the same feeling. Then, the, then he responds by reminding them the truth of the identity why does he remind them the truth of, of identity and doesn't tell them to stop it can you please help us uh, with that so uh, the next well, in verse 18 in verse 18 he says flee sexual immorality mm -hmm. every sin that doesn't that that man does outside the body but he didn't commit sexual immorality sins against it so he 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 gives it exhortation not to do that I think the, the thing that's going on between 16 and 17 is he's making an example out of verse 16, how those that union is one flesh. It's as terrible and as sinful as it is, it's one flesh. In verse 17, he says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So it's easier. I think it's it's an attempt to make the, the, uh, the dynamic easier for us to understand. We can all understand what it means to be joined to an harlot. He says that's one flesh. But it's not as easy for us to understand verse 17, but he is joined to the Lord as one spirit. What Paul is trying to say, I believe, is that it's just as simple as 16. As verse 16 is true, so is verse 17. He's not, he's not suggesting we do that because in verse 18 he says, flee sexual immorality. But he's making it clear that just as true as verse 16 is, we all understand that. We can all acknowledge that that's so. Then in verse 17, he says, okay, in my own words, if you, if you can see that as being true, then you should be able to see that verse 17 is true too. So he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, just as much as he who is joined to the harlot is one flesh. That right? oh. Yes, it, 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 it comes in. Yes, it helps a lot. The, the illustration is 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 is, uh, is quite strong. He say, is he is he saying that uh, our identity, our 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 union with Christ is uh, stronger? Should could, should we conclude that our union with Christ is stronger than uh, the sins we commit daily? Absolutely. Absolutely, because our union with Christ is eternal. And what we, what we do on a daily basis is temporary. It's going away. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's one thing you can get from it. But for me, the main point is, if it's, if it's easy for me to understand that being joined to a harlot is one flesh, then it should be as easy for me to understand that being joined to the Lord is one spirit. It's the, it's the same they're both one, and we can't, you can't deny them. You can't deny verse 16. So we should not be able to deny verse 17. It's true. Then he goes on to say, he, you know, he, he gives us help then in verse 18 when he says, flee 
sexual morality. He's not suggesting we do it, ever. But he is suggesting that we understand that the union of being one is is as easy as easily understood as the other one. So, and that's that was the point that just that just shook me to the core. You know, I'm one spirit with him, and that's forever. And no matter what the enemy tries to tell me, I'm taking him back to this verse. I'm taking any number of memory verses. That's why it's a good idea to have memory verses. So when God, when the enemy, excuse me, hits us, attacks us with something from our past, even if it was yesterday, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it doesn't matter. We have a verse ready that we can say, no, this is not true. You know, I'm not going down that road with you. I'm a new creature in Christ. If you want to accuse somebody, go accuse the person that died with Christ on the cross whenever it was you were accepted, whenever it was you became an end of faith, you accepted Christ, I'm going to say it. Whenever you recognize Christ as your Savior, that day, the old man died on the cross. And if the enemy wants to con- to condemn someone, that's the person you just condemn because we are now what? We are a new creation. Amen. All things no. become new. Amen. One last question before we close. Um... It's about deliverance. Uh, I'm a new creation. Uh, I'm joined to the Lord in in a very intimate uh, and uh, uh, sublime and in a very powerful way. I'm, I'm joined to the Lord. And now I falter and fall into uh, a, a sin. Uh, this sin, especially this sin that they are talking about in... Um, First Corinthians, this one of do not join yourself if you join yourself uh, to a harlot. Then, if I fall into a sin of, of a similar nature or, or any other uh, sin, um, uh, do I need to go for deliverance? By deliverance, I mean, has a demon entered me? Can a demon enter me? Yeah, if I commit sin, having become uh, a new creation. Um, I'm not sure I'm getting the exact context of the scripture or your question, I mean. But again, we'll go back to the fact that we're one spirit. So the, the demon can harass you. Uh, if we allow him to, he can harass us. But if we're possessed by Christ, and we are, then I don't believe we can be possessed by the, the evil spirit spirit again he may harass us he may give us thoughts and our emotions that we don't want you know don't want to go to but as far as possession we're either owned by christ or we're not and if we are then the enemy has no claim on us he can bug us he can tempt us he can you know threaten us and all those things but but as far as being possessed i'm not sure you can be possessed again by the enemy once you've been crucified with Christ and are now possessed by the Spirit of God. He can harass Amen. you. He can harass you. He can, you can even yield to sin. I mean, and we do from time to time. Hopefully not very often, but we all must admit that we do. We, we do yield to the flesh. That's what I like to say. For the moment, we've yielded to the flesh and committed something that we know was wrong. And the reason we know it's wrong because the Spirit dwells in us and takes us back to the cross. So when you, when you become aware of it, you take it back to the cross. You say, thank you, Lord. I know that's been forgiven. I know I'm secure in you. 
and and you know, and move on. Don't dwell in it. Don't don't continue to wallow in it. Because if you do that, then he gains a, a foothold, and you might be tempted to fall again in that area. So so it's just a matter of going back to the cross, remembering where you've come from, remembering who you belong to, and actually preaching to the devil. Just you know, talk to him. If you're by yourself, you can talk to him out loud. <laughs> if you're in the crowd, you might want to do it silently. But you can you can tell him, you know, to hit the road, to leave the scene. This is not me anymore. Go go accuse the person on the cross of Christ. I died to that. I'm a new creation. Yes, I may have fallen, uh, but but God is still in me. He's still with me. He's forgiven that sin, and we just keep moving on. The the worst thing we can do at that moment is to agree with him and begin to wallow in that whole thing because then we just go down, down, down. We lose our peace. We lose our joy. We lose our testimony and all of those things if we start agreeing with him. Amen. Uh, I thank you, uh, Tracy, uh, for pointing us to Christ and uh, uh, to what he has become to us. And uh, if the members had any other questions, They'll forward them to me in my WhatsApp when we meet again tomorrow, same time. Uh, we shall take it on from there. Uh, I want to yes, the members, I'm reminding uh, my brothers and sisters that uh, tomorrow we we'll have that meeting uh, with Pastor Tracy. Uh, thank you, Pastor Tracy, for sharing your evening with us. It's evening here, it's morning. In, in California, yeah, and uh, uh, thank you for sparing time to uh, to come and share with us your life. The life oh, you're of welcome. Christ. Amen. You're welcome. Thank you for arranging it, and we'll uh, see you tomorrow evening. Thank you. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.